Father, thank you so much for the promise of your presence, that we're not alone. You're not a God who created the world, created us as individuals, and then left us on our own, to our own devices. But you're a God who, as the creator of all of humanity, and that you want to be part of every aspect of our life. Everything that we go through, everything that we experience, you want to be there. Thank you so much for the personal touch that you give in your son, Jesus Christ, and offering us life through him. Thank you for the promise of the presence of your Holy Spirit to lead us, to guide us, to help us understand truth. Father, in this room at this moment, there are folks who are coming at life and living life in all different ways. And every one of us have a need, and that need is to know you, to be directed by you, to be guided by you, to meet you. And so in the next few moments as we open your word, I pray that that's exactly what would be heard is your word. I pray that our hearts would be soft to your spirit. I pray that we would be willing to say yes to you. And whatever it is that you want to accomplish in each one of us, that we'd allow that work to happen. Thanks for loving us. Thanks for giving us the freedom to worship together. Pray that you would continue to meet with us in this place, in your name. Amen. Thanks. You may have a seat. So we started a series a couple weeks ago, and I say that because last week was a snow day, and uh, we started a series on the, about the promise keeper, the promise of God, the promises of God. And I want to continue this morning talking about the promise keeper and talking about one of the promises of God that it means a lot to me. Uh, and that's the promise of His presence. And hopefully it will also, and maybe for some of you, it already has meant a lot to you. And as you've lived life and as you've experienced life and you've walked through life with God, and for some of you it may be a new concept that God is there, that He's present, that He wants to be with you. There's something about having someone who knows more than you present in your life, isn't there? I was thinking about that as I was thinking through this whole thing of knowing God. I was thinking about hunting and fishing with my father. My dad was an explorer by nature, and often we got ourselves into situations that other folks may not have. One of those situations that I can remember, I was probably 16 years old, 16, 17. You have to understand, I grew up on a farm, so I started driving at six, and I'm not joking. Um, And so at 16 or 17, somewhere in there, we were going hunting, and we had the four-wheel drive pickup truck that had a plow on it, and so it had the plow frame down on the bottom, and we were driving down this old woods road, and uh, it was an old woods road that we had traveled many, many, many times before, and we came to this, around this corner on the old woods road, and there was a beaver pond that was, had appeared. It hadn't been there before, but it was there now, and it had flooded the road, and there was a, a nice layer of ice across it. And I'm driving because, you know, I'm the young guy and I want to drive. And so dad had let me drive. And we come to the beaver pond and dad says, don't stop. I'm like, really? And he's like, sure. So we start out and we break down through. And he says, don't let off. And so we kept going. And what would happen is the, the, the tires would touch. It would jump and the frame of the plow truck would break the ice. And we would keep going, and he just kept saying, momentum's your friend. 
keep going. And I'm the 16-year-old, and the presence of my father who knows better than me is like, all right, let's go for it. We made it, by the way. He was right. But having the presence of someone who is older and is taking responsibility for what you're doing (laughs) matters, doesn't it? I remember also other times when we would, Dad was an explorer also when he walked, and he grew up in a home where they would buy tracts of land And they would go in and work for the winter. And they would just walk into wherever it was. They would set up a camp and they would spend the winter. And the the woods was his friend. And so we would go hunting or we would go fishing or whatever it was. And dad wasn't happy with where we were ever. And so we would walk all day. And at the end of the day, it would start to get dark. And he's like, well, we probably should find the truck. And I remember one of those occasions, we were on the number 20 game reserve, which is up in New Brunswick, way out in the middle of nowhere, and we had hiked, we had chased a buck all day long, come to the end, it's getting dusk, and Dad says, we should find the truck. And I said, do you know where it is? And he said, well, I've never been lost. And I said, oh, yeah. And he goes, I've been turned around for a couple of days, but I've never been lost. (laughs) And come to find out, that's exactly how his dad had treated him. But you know what? Even when he said that, being in his presence, guess what? I'm like, okay. Cool. If you say it, it's good. Kids, young people, you know this feeling because at night when you're sick, right? Mom! Dad! And when they come into the room, they're not going to do anything for you. They're not going to hold the garbage can. Right? But having their presence in the room, it's like, oh, it's okay. It's okay. Having somebody with me who knows more than I do or has more authority than I do makes me feel good about where I am. When we were created, when Adam and Eve were created in the garden, God created them for his presence. And he created them for a relationship with him. You were created for a relationship with your creator, God. You were designed for that relationship. And to be together with God, to literally walk with God. That's how Adam and Eve, if you go back to Genesis and you read in Genesis, you'll find this, that it was God's common occurrence to walk with Adam and Eve in the evening in the garden. And he created us to be in his presence, to be with him, to be with God. And when Adam and Eve sinned, it wasn't that God all of a sudden became different. It was that the relationship that Adam and Eve had with God was broken. And they did it. He didn't. And Adam and Eve's sin caused a wedge to be driven between man and their creator, God. And that relationship that they had with God was forever changed. And because of it, we seek to this day to make it right. To figure out how we belong. How we fit with God. Because you were designed for a relationship with Him. 
And God, in his incredible wisdom, knew what we would desire, knew what was in our heart, knew what we wanted. And so he offers us the promise of his presence, his willingness to be with us. Now, in order for us to have this conversation this morning about the presence of God, the promise of the presence of God in our life, there are a couple issues that we have to deal with on the front side. Issue number one. Talia, will you, will you come up here for a minute, just, just for a minute? Talia is going to come up front, and Talia, I want, I want you to come right here and just stand right there. This is not a trick question. Where is Talia right now? Okay, but where is she in relation to the the room that we're in? Where is she? She is at the front, okay? Everybody, some of you are like out of it. Where is Talia right now? Okay, are you sure about this? Is that where she, okay, she's at the front. Okay, Talia, I want you to go back and stand right back by Valerie for a minute, please. Talia was where? I'm just making sure you're with me. Okay, all right. Now, where is Talia now? Ah, man, you guys are quick. Woohoo! You're quick. Now, if Talia is at the back, can she be at the front? Are you sure? Okay, that wasn't a trick. I'm just seeing if you're with me. Okay, Talia is at the back, and so she cannot be where? At the front. Talia, come on back up to the front. When Talia comes back to the front, where can't she be? Okay, at the back. All right, Talia, you can have a seat. That is not that complicated, is it? That is how our brains work. Our brains understand things in time and space. Our brains understand that if something is here, it can't be anywhere else. And when in that time it is here, it is stuck right there for that period of time. But if it moves and goes somewhere else, then it's not where it was because it's somewhere else. Get that? Okay, are you with me? God is not like that. God is present everywhere. And in our brains and how we understand things, we want a picture where when something is somewhere, that's where it is. And because it is there, it can't be anywhere else. And so we define what we know by that time and space, right? Because it's physical. It's what we understand. So that's issue number one, how we understand things. Issue number two that we got to grab right off at the very beginning is this. We can't confine God to our expectations for him. Now, number one, we can't to time and space because God is not bound by time and space. But number two, we can't confine God to our expectations of him. Let me help you with that. What I'm saying is this, in our minds, because of the way our minds work, because of the way we read and study the word of God, because what other people have told us about the word of God, we get a picture of how God functions. You with me? Because somebody teaches us something or we read something in Scripture, in our minds we get a picture of that's how God is. He fits in this because that's what we were taught. We take pieces of truths about God and we build, follow me, we build our own God. Oh, I believe the Bible. What are you talking about? Uh Uh-uh. Listen to me for a minute. 
We pull pieces of truths out of the word of God and we build God in our mind, what we think God is like in our mind. And in doing this, we set up boundaries for God and then we assume that he has to function or live inside those boundaries. You following me? What I'm telling you is this. We take one truth out of the word of God and we say, that's God. And we set a system in place and say, that has to be God. And then we set up a belief system that's bound around what we think about God. And we say, God can't do this because he's like that. God can't love like that because this is God. And it's not at all. It's one thought. It's one piece that we have. One truth about God, and we start to build this whole belief system around that one truth. And then when he doesn't act the way we want, or he acts outside of those constraints, we're surprised. And we begin to question God's character. When in reality, we should be questioning our understanding of God's character. You follow? We start questioning God's character when we should be questioning our understanding of God's character. The limiting factor in both of these issues, the time and space and our understanding of God, the limiting factor in both of those issues is not God. Who's the limiting factor? That's right. I am. You are. It's not God who's limited. It's not God who has a problem. It's me. I'm the one who has the problem. I'm the one who wants to set it up that God is like this. And when God gets beyond that, I get uncomfortable. Remember, as we look at this promise of God's presence, and by the way, this is a hopeful, reassuring promise from the Word of God. Remember that the question is not, will God keep His promises? That's not the question. The question is, will we stake our lives on his promise? Remember last time we said this, that God has never been proven wrong. You can take the word of God, you can study it for yourself, you can find that there is absolutely no time in all of man's history that man has looked at what God has said and proven him wrong. It's never happened. You can go study for yourself. But it's never happened. And so the problem is not whether or not God will keep his promise. The problem is whether I will trust. Whether I'll stake my life on his promise. Think of this for a moment. If we say that we're not going to trust the promises of God, who has never failed, he's always kept his promise, he's never been proven wrong, then let me ask you this. Who are you going to trust? Yourself? What's your track record like? How does your track record stand up to God's? You always kept your promise? You never failed? You never tried to figure something out and were wrong about it? You never thought you had all the information and realized partway through your decision that you didn't? Ever made a mistake? Happened to me once. Okay, it happened to me a lot, but 
So let's take the next few moments and talk about God's promise to be present. There are four truths that I want to highlight about this promise to be present. The first is found in Acts chapter 7, verses 48 to 50. It says this, But the Most High does not dwell in sanctuaries made by hands, as the prophet says. Heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. What sort of house will you build for me, says the Lord, or what will you What will be my resting place? Did not my hand make all these things? Truth number one, God cannot be confined to physical space, nor is he dependent on me to create a space for him. It's very interesting that man goes through life trying to create a space where God can be, and he doesn't need it. He's already present. He's already everywhere present all the time. You are constantly before the face of God because God is constantly before your face. You can't get away from it. He's here. He's with you. He's constantly present. He's always with you. Listen to this God, this description of God's presence found in Jeremiah 23. It says this, Am I a God who is only near? This is the Lord's declaration. Declaration. And not a God who is far away? Can a person hide in the secret places where I cannot see him? The Lord declares. Do I not fill the heavens and the earth? The Lord's declaration. In other words, God says, look, there is no place that you can go that you can get out of my presence. The psalmist knew it this way in Psalm 139. He said, for if I go up to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, you are there. You see me, you know me, you are with me. God is telling us he is not bound or tied by anything. He's present. First truth that you need to understand, and the first statement that you got to get in your mind is this He, God, is everywhere. He's everywhere, all the time present. He's not a God who is here for a little while and then he's off over here with Steve for a little while, and Mike has a problem. He goes, I'm sorry, Mike, I was with Steve. I didn't know. He doesn't do that. Because first truth, he is everywhere present with us. Second thought that you need to get is this. As you continue to study the promise about God's presence, he gets more specific. He doesn't just say, I'm everywhere. If you look at this in Isaiah 43, he says it this way. Now this is what the Lord says. The one who created you, Jacob. And the one who formed you, Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name, and you are mine. I will be with you when you pass through the waters, and when you pass through the rivers, they will not overwhelm you. You will not be scorched when you walk through the fire, and the flame will not burn you. It's not just that he's everywhere. He's with you. And his claim is this, that in the middle middle of your physical difficulties, I'm present. 
I'm present in whatever experience that you're having. I'm with you. I'm present. I am not a God who created you and left you. I am here. I get it. I feel it. I know it. I am beside you. I am with you. I'm walking with you. I've got you. See, we can get stuck on the fact that God is everywhere. Oh, great. God is everywhere. And God goes, no, it's not enough that I'm everywhere. Not only am I everywhere, but I am also near you. I am near you. He is with me all the time. God is not a detached God who is just there. He's with you. And His promise is, I will give my presence to you all the time. In the joy, in the difficulty, in the sorrow, in the growth times of life, when you need strengthening, when you can't see your way, in the dark, I'm with you. I'm with you. He is with me. Number one, he's everywhere. Number two, he's with me. But then, this is so typical of God. He doesn't leave it there. He strengthens the promise even more. In Deuteronomy 31, Joshua 1 and and Hebrews 13, God says it this way. I will never leave you nor abandon you. I will never leave you nor abandon you. And then in the New Testament, he goes on farther and he says this in the book of John. He says, look, when Jesus Christ, when he was walking on the earth, he looked at the people around him. He said, look, when I go, I'm going to send one who is just like me and he won't even be with you. He will be in you. It's not good enough that I'm everywhere. It's not good enough that I'm, I'm there for you in the middle of all your difficulties. But if you trust me, I'll live in you. His presence is real, people. God is not just out there with his hands off going, oh, I hope you figure it out. He's like, I make the offer to be not only your God, the one who created you, the one who cares for you, the one who is willing to be near you, but I make a way through the Holy Spirit that I will indwell, I will live in you, I will give you every bit of power that you need. It's all found in me, and it is yours. Because that's the kind of God I am. I'll never leave you or abandon you. He's committed for the long haul, folks. He's not just here for a good time. He's here for a long time in our lives. He's committed to you for every bit of your life. You know how it is often with people, I'll help you, which is translated, I'm here while it's convenient or it benefits me. And even those who are great people who are truly there to help you, They run out of gas, right? Because they're human. At some point, they get tired. At some point, they run out of energy, and they have to, I'm done. And we all understand that we all get to that place where we've been, and we feel like we're alone, and God says it this way. He says, no, I am in this forever. I'm in for the long haul. He is in it. He's in. He's completely in forever for your life. He's not just everywhere. He's not just near you. He's in you. And he's, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, he says this, I will indwell 
in you. He is in. He is in. So if you're like me and you've looked at this in Scripture and you've studied it and you get this promise and you say, Pastor Tim, that's all cool, but how can you be sure? Folks, this promise that we're talking about is wrapped up in his very character. It is who he is. He does not change. And each time these statements are made and he makes these statements, we are getting a glimpse of who God is, the greatness of who God is. God is not just all-powerful. He is not just all-knowing. He is not just everywhere present, but he cares about everyone that he has created. It's his character who he is and he will not defy his character he will care about each one of you always it's who he is the last thought about his presence is this and I want you to get this last one because he doesn't just tell us that he's close he doesn't just tell us that he's everywhere he's near he will indwell he will be in us he goes even farther than that He tells us we can be closer. (laughs) He does. Listen to this, James chapter 4, verse 8. Draw near to me, you say it. And what? What's it say? Draw near to me and... What's it say? Draw near to me and... You see where this promise goes? God doesn't just say, look, I'm everywhere. Look, I'm near to you. I care about you. I'm in you. He says this, look, if you lean into me, if you take the word of God and you read it and you study it because you want to know who I am, if your heart desires to know me, he says, says, look, draw near and I'll lean in. I'll lean in. I'll get closer still. Pam and I are reading the book of Genesis in our devotions right now, and one of the the stories that I was reading the other day, it's going through the age of all the guys. One of the guys grew older, and he was close to God, and it says this, that he walked with God, and then he was not. Right? God took him. He leaned into God. He was close. I don't, know, I don't know what that looks like, but he was close enough to God that God said, you know what? I'm not going to have you walk here anymore. Come with me. And Scripture says it this way. He says, look, if you draw near to God, he'll draw near to you. He'll lean in. Some of us go through life wanting the presence of God in our life. Remember what I said way at the beginning with Adam and Eve, that within them was built... A a need for a relationship with God. And every one of us is trying to fill that need. We want to be with God. We want to be with God. We want to be with God. But we're so scared that instead of leaning into God, we lean back. God goes, no, just lean in. That's all I'm asking. Just lean in and I'll draw near. I'll come closer. I'll keep coming closer. Because I desire that. Not only did I create you for that, I desire that relationship 
with you. The fullness of this promise is his presence. This promise brings hope to me. Because <laughs> the hope is this, I don't have to be alone. Remember at the beginning when I said, having someone who knows more than me in my presence brings security? It brings relief. Folks, you can have that in God. The hope is this, that God tells us, look, if you want that relationship, if you want that fulfillment in your life, you want that peace, it's found in me, and I will give it to you. I promise. I promise. As if him being present wasn't enough. As if, as if him telling us that he is with us in everything wasn't enough. As if his insurance not to leave us is not enough, he adds. He adds with more goodness and blessing and more opportunity and says, look, draw near and I'll draw near to you. God isn't pushy. God won't force you. God won't make you. But God says, you draw near. I'll lean in. How about you? Do you want God's presence? He promised it. It's yours. He doesn't go back on his promise. His presence is yours. Will you lean in? God is everywhere. He's near you. He's near me. He's committed to you forever. And he really wants to continue to draw near. Are you experienced the hope found in the presence of God? You can. You can. It's not up to God because he's already given it. It's up to you. Will you accept it? Father, Would you grant us the courage to lean in? You promised your presence. It's evident. You've never gone back on your word. You want to bring hope and peace and healing and fulfillment in our lives. You want to lead us and guide us. Help us. We're the limiting factor. God, would you grant us the courage to allow you to come close? Father, for some in this room, it starts with a relationship with you, and they're struggling on to whether or not that could be real. Show them your son. Help them to know how much you love them. By your spirit, draw them, God. And then, Father, for some in this room who have been believers, they've been Christ followers for a long time, but they've thought they were smarter than you. Father, would you grant them an ability to yield? And to accept 
your presence in their life. Thank you for the hope that's found in knowing you and knowing your presence. It's awesome. Thank you. God, would you go with us this week? Help us to say yes to you in all that we do. In your name we pray. Amen.